he's lucky enough that his only hope is the guy hanging right next to him. Mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. is here. And so this is, you know, we see uh, Jesus bearing the sin. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. We welcome Luther House of Studies' Nick Hopman back to the podcast to discuss the text for Christ the King Sunday, Jesus on the cross between two criminals at his crucifixion. The Messiah is supposed to be glorious, yet... Here Jesus is, hanging on the cross. In fact, people all around Christ are tempting him to be the glorious Messiah and save himself. But he doesn't. He takes on the sin of the world. Jesus dies. There's no way around it. And we are baptized into Christ's death. We go to our crosses too. But Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus meant it when he said, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's get to it. Here's Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 43. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by, watching. But the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly. For we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Nick Hopman with us this week. Thanks for being here, Nick. Always great to be here, Mason. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Nick, since we're still just getting to know you a little bit, and our listeners are getting to know you a little bit too, I'm going to pull a Kiri, and I'm going to ask you a little bit about yourself. Can you just... Whoa. Well, not a ton. We don't have a ton of time. <laughs> no, can you just say one more time a little like your uh, role in Luther House, and then just something you think the listeners should know about you? 
What's my role at Luther House? <clears throat> Excuse me. I am a member of the faculty. I am the only person who is a plain old member of the faculty. Chris and Sarah have various important titles. Lars has about <laughs> 20 to 30 words at the end of his title. He does everything. I am just faculty. I, I think your business card does say plain old fac faculty. So that's 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 good. I'm I'm a plain guy. Um, something <laughs> Carrie's put me on the spot here. Uh, sometimes when I'm asked that question, I tell people that I am a pretty wicked good table tennis player. Whoa. Whoa. As an eighth grader, I won the Zion Lutheran Church table tennis tournament <laughs> in Tinley Park, Illinois, beating the great Gary Kelso and then beating my own father twice as I had to come out of the loser's bracket to win it. Oh, wow. Take and that, Dad. In college, <laughs> I uh, entered the college contest and only Asian guys beat me. So that's <laughs> how good I am. Ping pong, right? Table tennis, ping pong. Ping is, that, pong. is table tennis the more is, is ping pong like frowned upon? Like, I don't that know. Like yeah, I, only morons say that. That's what I and my friends say. <laughs> you might have to edit that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Just note that it was Adam that said that. <laughs> that ping pong did not go through Nick's lips. <laughs> And uh, I just want to say that I am recording this podcast under protest because this <laughs> oh, is the no. reading for Christ the King. Okay. <laughs> Christ the King did not exist until 1925. Yeah, it's new. Pope Pius XI promulgated Christ the King Sunday. Now, I know you guys love it when I ask you questions. Was 1925 before or after the Lutheran Reformation? After. After. So why are Lutheran churches doing this? <laughs> well, because we're jealous and royalty is cool. We've just had a recent experience with how important royalty is and how many news channels have a lot of time to fill it. The Luther House in particular, Lars was just obsessed with the coverage of the Queen's death and he was updating me constantly. Finally, he was telling me <laughs> what's going to happen with the Queen's corgis and I had to put a stop to it. So... I'm 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 predisposed to not like Christ the King this year because of what we've just all gone wow. through. But on the other hand, <laughs> emotionally scarred. <laughs> it does um, it does bring the story of Jesus's crucifixion sort of at a nice low point in the church year, sort of totally opposite of Holy Week. Every about six months out from there, so I suppose there are some benefits to it. I like Christ the King Sunday. Say so. more. I, 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 which means this isn't a protest uh, podcast for me. That okay. This is a free. Uh, <laughs> oh my uh, I just like it. It is. Thing. It is shocking though that we're in November and we're smack dab at Jesus on the cross. It's a pretty, yeah. pretty stark story to just have so far away from Easter. Sure, I agree. So maybe we get uh, started with the text itself. Um, when they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they cast, lot to they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. So that's a lot to to start off with, I guess. Uh, uh, what's I mean, what's Christ doing? Asking the Father to forgive them. 
Yeah, well, of course, uh, they think they're doing the right thing. They think they're fulfilling all righteousness, whether it's uh, Pharisees who think that Jesus is blaspheming or if this is referring to the actual soldiers who are nailing him to the cross, doing their job. Of course, the whole thing is dripping with Isaiah 53. Christ is numbered among the transgressors, Mm -hmm. and then he makes intercession for the transgressors. And then Psalm 22 is fulfilled as they divide up his clothing. Um, if he is the Messiah of God, references to Isaiah 41. So all sorts of things are happening uh, in fulfillment of the Old Testament. Isaiah 53 is a great place to go. Isaiah 53 can also help keep us away in certain ways from atonement theories. Um, that's, of course, a subject that comes up, and we could do more than a whole podcast on atonement theories. Um, but here, of course, it was where everyone wants to load in their presuppositions about what's going on. And um, maybe say that, say that simply, which, or without going too far into it. Yeah, what is an atonement theory? What's that mean, or why is that a, a big deal, especially in the, the preaching of this text? Well, there's there's several different atonement theories. Gustav Aulin was the great Swedish scholar who found the early churches was the idea of Christ's triumph over the devil and death. And then along comes Anselm sort of kicking off the scholastic period with his theory of satisfaction that Christ is paying a debt to the Father. And really that's about as far as we need to go because that's that's the most serious one. There's other ones that tend to be um, associated with really bad theology, um, but some pretty good theologians and preachers are tempted to go with this Anselmian thing and see everything in terms of Debt. Uh, I brought this book with me uh, by David Graeber called Debt, The First 5,000 Years. Um, Are you going to read it to us? <laughs> Carrie is going to read it and report podcast. back to us at the end of the podcast. But um, Christ is constantly talking about these matters involving debt. I yeah. mean, they're just at the heart of life. Yep. Uh, money is important. Everybody needs it. And so, so many, the last several weeks, you guys have done several podcasts and stories that this guy's got debt. He's forgiving debt. This widow forgiving. lost her coin. There you go. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, shame. it's uh, Gra- Graber <laughs> shows that, you know, debt is not a good concept to found the world on and certainly not a good concept to found... Uh, eternal life on. Um, and, and of course, the, the basic problem is that payment is the opposite of forgiveness. Where there is payment, there is no forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, it, when we get into Isaiah 53 and we get into what's actually happening in the Gospels, we see the, the reality of it, the, the down-to-earth nature of what's going on. There are not accounts being settled in heaven here, something is happening on earth. And this is not happening because God needs it to happen. Mm-hmm. It's happening because we need it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, uh, when we preach, we want to actually uh, preach Christ's blood, as, as, as Paul says. We don't want to preach theories, things that are happening in ha- heaven. We want to preach what's actually happening. Now, that doesn't mean that some of the traditional language we use here about, for instance, Christ paying the price. Mm-hmm. We talk in that way not about debt quite often. Uh, Gerhard Ferdi used to 
create his own uh, atonement metaphor or something and talk about how what's, what's happening is we're in front of a car that's coming quickly at us. And God is like a parent who jumps in and pushes us out of the way and gets hit by the car. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's a, actually a more accurate picture of what's happening to Christ. He, he's paying the price in order to come down and save us, in order to actually unleash the forgiveness of sins. There was hell to pay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's, he's paying that price. But that doesn't mean we have to go with Anselm and with some accounting theory of, of what is happening here in Christ's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking of even uh, our uh, Luther's second article of the Creed, his explanation that we're saved not by gold or silver with, with the blood and innocent suffering of Jesus Christ. That there's, it's the blood, or it's there's a, uh, it's the the act or the uh, the, uh, the yeah the death, the death and and life. Yeah, yeah. So c- certainly something is happening here, <clears throat> and it is physical, and it involves blood and it involves no longer breathing. Mm-hmm. And it also, uh, it needs the resurrection. Mm-hmm. In, the, in, in, the, in these theories that are sort of mathematical, um, once a debt is paid, problem solved. Yeah. Right. That, that's, that's not what's happening here, though. Christ is, is earning the sins. He's gathering the sins, as Isaiah promised. He's going to bear the sins. Mm-hmm. He's gathering the sins so he can beat them in the resurrection and then turn around and say, peace be with you, and mm-hmm. start forgiving the sins that he now owns and has has beaten. Well, it's about three times during this when, while mocking him, someone, whether it be a soldier or even a, one of the other criminals, says, save yourself, or if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then above his, um, on top of his cross, it says, this is king of the Jews, and it's meant to be a mocking tone, actually, rather than a declaration. Yes, yeah. I mean, this is the constant refrain, uh, doctor, heal yourself, save yourself. Um, we often talk about the cross as a word we use for suffering. Um, we say that theologians of glory want to exchange the cross for glory, mm-hmm. but here they this is they are actually tempting Christ to come down off the cross, exchange it for glory. Yeah, I mean, what would be more mm-hmm. glorious than saving yourself from crucifixion, from execution? Mm-hmm. And of course, the criminals, uh, the first one, uh, comes right out and expresses his self-interest: save yourself, and then then save us. Mm-hmm. And there, and then then Jesus, you'll get everything you want to do. You you'll prove you're the Messiah. You'll prove that you're special to God. Um, but that's not what Christ has come to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, why do they why do they want him to save himself? Why would they ask this question? Why is this is the? I mean, as Kiri said, this is three times he saved others. Let him save himself. Uh, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself. They're uh, pl- pleading with him. Yeah, uh, like they. I mean, obviously, we don't understand Christianity like we do today without the resurrection. So in this very moment, they don't know the resurrection's just around the corner. But yeah. So, but they're constantly saying, "Don't go through with death." Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, Adam pointed out this goes back before the crucifixion. It goes back to Peter denying Christ's words when he says that he's going to be crucified. Mm-hmm. Here, there's obviously a, a mocking element to this, but um, Christ, the, the Messiah, is supposed to be glorious. 
So that that's why they're mocking him in this particular way. Oh yeah, you're the Messiah, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Well, this is not supposed to happen to the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Now, there's you could still prove you are the Messiah if you actually come down off the cross. Then that would be uh, you know playing the rope a dope and, and coming back on the end. So that would be even more glorious than maybe we expected. Um, but they're just they're they're just saying this a Messiah has no business on the cross. He has no business next to criminals, mm-hmm. suffering the death of a criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not what the Messiah is for. The mm-hmm. Messiah is to come in glory and inaugurate the glorious kingdom on earth. Mm-hmm. So they literally have that in the law as well. Say more. They have an expectation of what he should be. Certainly, yeah. And and uh, and he's not ful- he's not fulfilling that. No, because a, he, as he as can't. Paul says in Galatians three thirteen, it says in the law, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree." Yeah. yeah. So this is proof that he is not God blessed. He is God cursed. cursed. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even when I don't know if there's anything else you want to say, otherwise I want to move on to the next criminal that's on the cross with him. That's fine. Okay, so um, even when it goes over to the other criminal. He said he actually says the exact opposite, um, and he says, "Do you not f- fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly. We are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong." And he continues, "But that's really interesting because he's being really nice to Jesus, but this man is also living in the law." They're both living in the law, just in extremely different ways. Certainly, yeah. I mean, I, I think we could call the first one an antinomian, meaning an anti-law person. <laughs> he he's he's getting what he deserves, but he wants to find an escape hatch. Yeah, and that's fi- what the law finally says: is no escape. Yeah, yeah. He's and, not just living in the law. He's dying to the law right there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's true. Like, mm-hmm. like the law Get this is, law out of here, is, yeah. Uh, well, the law is going to have its final word on you. We're getting what we deserve. <laughs> right, yeah. We get it from the second man says, uh, this whole law and gospel thing is not that the law is a fiction or uh, it's somehow unreal. Uh, the only hope is to go through it. <laughs> and he's saying the law is true. Mm-hmm. I am getting what I'm deserve what I deserve here. We, we indeed have been condemned justly. There you go. The law functioned correctly. Exactly. And what do you do when you're in that circumstance? Your only hope is he's lucky enough that his only hope is the guy hanging right next to him. Mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. is here. And so this is, you know, we see uh Jesus bearing the sin. Mm-hmm. And even with the consequence for this particular man that he's right there uh, to answer this prayer, mm-hmm. hanging from the cross right next to him. He's numbered with the transgressors. He's bearing the sins of many, as mm-hmm. Isaiah says. And he asked Jesus, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he's uh, in some way confessing that he is the Messiah, or he's remember me in your kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Christ replied, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Um, wh- what's that mean? It seems like a loaded sort of statement. Today, mm-hmm. you will be with me in paradise. paradise. Well, I take it to be something uh, along the lines of the 11th chapter of John, where Christ is talking with Lazarus's sisters 
and uh, I believe it's Martha confesses that there's going to be a resurrection in the end. And of course, she's completely right about that. But Jesus doesn't just affirm that. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Meaning, mm-hmm. where I am, it's already here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, 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 you're feeling this excruciating pain, but I'm already here with you. And, um, you know, there, there's no need to, to worry about um, some sort of time interval. Uh, they're certainly not thinking about purgatory, but there's always some sort of question about what happens to me when I stop breathing. Even if I have faith in the afterlife, what's going to go on? And Jesus is saying, no, I'm here. I am the resurrection and the life. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And it's interesting, too, that this criminal recognizes that Jesus has done nothing wrong. He knows that Jesus is innocent. Mm -hmm. And he still says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knows that Jesus has a kingdom. Yes, yeah. Um, He knows that his kingdom is not of the world. Um, because, of course, any king or queen that's about to die on the cross, uh, they would be losing their kingdom. Yeah, he understands yeah. that he's <laughs> actually, Christ is gaining a kingdom uh, through going through this. Um, hey, it, usually you don't ask the king for some sort of authoritative statement while they're uh, dying. Dying. Yeah. Right, yeah, not yeah. on their deathbed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Lord, remember me when you, when you die. <laughs> Which is now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how um, how how do you preach this then, Nick? Or what's the um, what's the 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 way that you can get yourself around it? To me, there's a, a couple different portions that are preachable, but what's the what's the main idea? Well, I, I've always enjoyed using Isaiah 53, and so whether you're going to have that. Uh, that goes along with this, of course, on Good Friday, probably not on Christ the King uh, Sunday, but you can bring it, that in there in various ways to talk about um, what God is doing here. Of course, the, the two different criminals give you a great example, and there's lots of possibilities there. Um, but I've, I've always liked Isaiah, and um, here, here we see that the, the law is, is doing something unusual, because usually the law binds our own sins to us. But here we see that the law is finding Christ guilty, the sinner. So here I'm relying heavily on Luther's commentary on Galatians, the 3, 3.13 section, in which um, the law is seeing the sins on Christ, and so then it attacks him because that's what the law is supposed to do. And then Luther has in there that the law sees all the sins of the world on Christ, so there's no more left on you or me. The Father sees all the sins of the world in Christ's flesh, and, and there's nothing more to do. So this is this is the one place where <clears throat> uh, the law sort of is forced to testify against itself. Mm-hmm. It shows us that Christ is bearing our sins, therefore... They're no longer condemning us. Uh, of course, when we're baptized, we're baptized into Christ's death, so it's not like this is a escape hatch or a way around it. Uh, we're going to go to our crosses one way or another, maybe not the way that these two criminals went to it, um, but the, the path through paradise comes through Christ's death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. 
And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Nick Hopman for teaching us that at Jesus' crucifixion, the law isn't doing what it normally does in binding our sin to us. Instead, we see the law finding Christ guilty as a sinner. The law sees all the sin of the world in Christ's flesh and testifies to it. The penalty of sin is death. Jesus died. And we are baptized into Christ's death. We go to our crosses too, but Jesus is the resurrection. He defeats all of the sin of the world. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Luther House of Studies' mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send Sarah Stenson an email at sarah at lhos.org. That's sarah at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, Christ died for the forgiveness of your sin. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.